This conversation with Hal Sparks is a production of the Professional Left podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com, and was recorded on June 23, 2012. It's not safe for work. This is Drift Glass from the Professional Left podcast, and I'm here with Blue Gal. Hi. And we are honored on behalf of Crooks and Liars to have on the air today, just for you, <laughs> the star of stage, screen, and radio, comedian Hal Sparks. Welcome, Hal. Thank you. And for the record, all those things are true. <laughs> Hal will never lie to you. That's the first nope. thing you should know. Especially never, the ever lie. being nice to have me. Um, we we want to uh, promote your show up front. You're going to be appearing on stage with John Fugelsang in the true. Politics, Sex, and Religion show. It's not yeah, just the sex show. No, Politics, Sex, and Religion tour. Tour. Yeah. And you're going to be at the Lensic in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Friday, July 6th at 8 p.m. It's true. The first of many dates to come. Good. And you're also still doing the Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour with John and it's Stephanie Debbie Miller. Parker, right. So, And this one's going to be taken on the road. So you're going to just be... I've got multiple tours going all the time. I've got Great. you know my own regular stand-up tour, which is not uh, non-political, mm-hmm. but a little more subtle in its political message. Let's just put it that way. I, I would okay. even border on saying it's subversive. Hmm. Because if you can carry a sublimated uh, political conversation into a comedy club where people aren't expecting to hear it, and actually have them walk away smiling. It's uh, more of a victory even than just... That's an accomplishment, yeah. And cheaper than hiding pods under their bed, actually. (laughs) Right. Well, always a fear. (laughs) And you're also the host of the Hal Sparks Radio Show. Yes, the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. You do so many things. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed and impressed that you're able to fit all of this into the schedule of a normal human being. Um, well, first of all, uh, that presupposes uh, that I'm a normal human being, which I take umbrage with. Um, and and secondly, yes, um, the the uh, I guess the the trick is insofar as doing a lot of stuff, which I I get a lot of uh, either complaints or amazement about. I think it's just a matter of people don't really use their their time wisely. I suppose I think we all have. A lot more, you know, you hear about the film industry and what's the probably the one thing you hear the most about an actor's life is is hurry up and wait. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time. Um, I just decided that if that was the case, uh, you know, when I when and if I ever made it, um, that I would just make use of that time. And that's kind of what I've been doing. It also takes a lot of commitment. We've noticed just a commitment to make sure the show goes on. No matter oh, what yeah. else is going on in your life, that you make sure the show goes on, and we've found that. You know, we've done yeah. our podcast every week for 133 episodes, and it just on Friday, that's what we have to do. Oh yeah, you know, and a, that's what you're you do. Ice skating uphill against technology yep. and yep. The, the lack thereof. Right. No matter what you do, I yep. yeah, I totally hear that. Um, now, my understanding well, is this new show of yours is not quite as family friendly as Sexy Liberal. Yeah. Is that bad. right? How much sex no. is in this show? I, well, I, mean, I, I think there's there's sex in everything I do. Let's just start from you know. Let's let's be completely honest. Um, uh, but secondly, I I don't think there's anything family friendly about say teabagging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Demonstration. Yeah, we've gone in sex. Yeah, you did you did teabag Stephanie Miller. We we saw your show in Chicago. We were yeah, there together and loved so, it. I, I wouldn't necessarily go immediately to uh, you know that I'm somehow drifting from. Uh, some sort of uh, moralized concept for, uh, away from one. I'm, I've always been a big purveyor of morality over content. 
mm-hmm. that you can use whatever content you want as long as your message is solid. And so John and I are just having a lot of fun. The truth is, with the Politics, Sex, and Religion Tour, we were both discussing that these are the three things you're not supposed to talk about with relatives. Right. And it's the only thing either one of us gives a shit about. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's the only thing I want to talk about, and I'm not yeah. allowed to. That's absurd. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I've I've noticed as a, a fan of yours, an unabashed fan of yours, that you. your effort your efforts seem to feed on each other. I think you've got to have a purpose to what you're doing. I've been lucky enough as an actor to have the you know the vast majority of stuff I do um, have some sort of social impact, even if it's silly. Like even if it's just the the pop culture stuff I do. On VH1, there's an element of unashamed enjoying what you like since it harms no one to it. You know, and I think that's healthy. Like, I've never been a big believer in the idea of a guilty pleasure. Just because I like, you know, 80s metal, that doesn't make me guilty of something. If you don't like it, I'm not borrowing your ears to do it. I mean, arguably, um, if you want to really talk in honest terms, Sandusky's going to jail for a guilty pleasure, and rightly so. You know what I mean? Like, don't conflate the fact that I, you know, I like winger to, you know, to something I should feel bad about. So, um, but then when it comes to this stuff, um, you know, radio and television, other than just as an acting tool, I think it's really just a, like, a political shovel that I've just gotten my hands on, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think yeah. it's very cool that you guys are not afraid to be out as liberals and out as real political humorists. So right. as a as a communicator, as a funny communicator, as a comedian and as a person who strives to, to really get your message across, how do you communicate political topics without getting preachy or academic? And secondarily, how much knowledge can you assume is in your audience when you step up in front of them and try to make them laugh? Um, Well, first of all, um, you know, I come from the old Second City uh, methodology, which is um, always assume your audience is smarter than you are. (laughs) Um, And that will at least keep your discourse high. Um, The I guess the other part of it is, is that um, I – I, I couldn't presuppose that I don't become preachy at times. I certainly am, am prone to uh, rantings at times, especially when I get, you know, really, really caught up in something um, that I feel passionately about. I think the one thing that makes me, a, you know, a functional liberal in a lot of ways is that I don't back down and I don't buy the storyline that I somehow should. And I think, unfortunately, Liberals and progressives have been trained over time to somehow believe that they should, like CNN, believe in some level of parity for every argument, Um, that there is some balanced conversation about everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there just simply isn't. And uh, and I think we've ceded the principled conversation to the whack jobs on the right who um, use the word principle just to stick to whatever they're doing as if – you would see a guy driving drunk on the wrong side of the road, hitting parking meters and people, and not slowing down and go, well, you got to give him credit. He's, he's, he's consistent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. and, and so um, in this, I don't see that point. And, I, and quite frankly, I've run afoul of some liberals and progressives because I'm also 
as unashamed as I am about my political beliefs, I am also pragmatic in getting them done. I have more interest in seeing the rubber hit the road than I am in some sort of footballish victory over time. I'm not sure this will wind up in the final interview, but I do want Driftglass to tell his burning kittens joke to you, which is exactly the same thing. We as unabashed liberals, uh, Blue Gal and I, both long for the day when we have sane, competent, brilliant, capable conservatives to debate with. Sure. We really miss, I mean, the, the idea that we could one day maybe have a Bill Buckley debating Noam Chomsky on television is awesome. Um, right. But we don't live there. And and my my favorite joke, because I wrote it, is uh, <laughs> he wrote Dick, it. Dick Cheney is caught on the White House lawn yeah. on camera throwing burning kittens at homeless veterans. What are the first three words out of David Gregory's mouth? And the three words are, but the Democrats. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just, it's wired into the system that they cannot accept the fact that sometimes, a lot of the time, certainly for the last 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years, going back 30 years perhaps, if you want to count all the way back to Reagan, mm-hmm. one side of the political aisle has been predominantly wrong and crazy and getting wronger and crazier. And I don't know how to confront, I don't know how to talk to someone who doesn't believe that and who refuses to see it, which is why I, I think comedy um, is it's sort of the key. last... Yeah. It's the last way in. It's the last way to, to sort of lighten the heart and ease the burden and get people to sort of take a breath and see you as a human being. So as that, yeah. what you know, you've got you've got this really long history as a as a performer. I, the first question I got for you is: It easier or harder being funny under the Bush administration than under the Obama administration? Oh, I I guess in a Deepak Chopra kind of way. I can't. <laughs> I do not yeah. make my happiness nor my skill set circumstance dependent. Uh-huh. Oh, good man, good man. Yeah. And so uh, it shouldn't be uh, either one. I am. If if all you're about here's the problem too, and I think this is this is something we find on the on the left is that we got so used to saying the word president with anger in our voice mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. the last mm-hmm. eight years before uh, Obama came in mm-hmm. that we almost couldn't drop it. Yep. That, there was, yep. that we, we became professionally distrustful of government because of who was running it and then never dropped the meme. Yep. And so um, you, you get a lot of people who I, you know, I value in this, uh, you know, in this fight, uh, people like Tom Hartman and Chank, you know, at Young Turks and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. and, and the, to some degree go off the deep end as if um, – They start acting towards the president the same way they act towards Bush simply because of the name and the power associated with it, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it's it's almost as if, you know, sometimes the discussion comes up about business or CEOs or, you know, we use these blanket statements about uh, business on the left sometimes because the vast majority of these like super corps, which is really the problem, Mm -hmm. these multinationals who are not, you know, any more American than a Saudi prince is, but who's, you know, but he's got half a billion dollars trading on the stock market every afternoon. So he's got some investment in the United States, but if it right. went down the toilet, he really wouldn't care. Right. And that's where a lot of these super corps are. Yep. They're not exactly the same as, let's say, you know, Google or, or Apple or, um, you know, or directly an American car company or whatever. There's not... A, 
it's not the same. They're not all together. You know, when the conversation about bonuses came up for a while, mm-hmm. some of the banks were offering bonuses to guys in other areas, not related to the credit default swaps. That it, they were basically saying all hands on deck. If you can raise your bottom line or get into the black um, quicker than anybody else, you'll get a piece of that action. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they ended up writing the companies. And it wasn't the guys who had done all the crazy credit default swaps who were getting some of these mega bonuses. And quite frankly, they deserved it because they were doing it legally. Mm-hmm. They were doing it ethically. They were doing it in the parts of the bank I don't have a problem with. Um, but we got so caught up in the banks caused the crash that, um, that we almost see this idea that there's any um, – business that's good in any you know we gave over the you know the fight that government has a purpose almost to the right Mm -hmm. and so to me i'm a pragmatist i i want it done i don't care i don't care about spiking the ball in the end zone quickly um i you know i'm i'm there for the long-term value of of progressive ideals and i think there's 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 a tendency after the bush administration that there was a like a frustration on our side that uh, you know that we're just yelling upstairs, no matter yeah. who's who's yeah. living on the yeah. second floor now. Um, and I think that's a shame, and we do ourselves a disservice. Yeah, there's a well, big difference between Bill Gates using his fortune to eradicate malaria, and a money hoarder demanding tax cuts, and everybody right. else can have austerity. There's a big, huge difference between those two guys, and and we we are smart enough, I think, to differentiate yeah, I, if we if we wake up to it yeah yeah i think yeah. it's essential that we um that we do you know that we make sure that um we we are capable of that conversation cuz quite frankly that's how the right gets that whole the left hates business thing yeah. that's how they get that yeah because when the occupy movement is boiled down not by by the way their own you know conversation but by the media as being you know, singularly about the eradication of a corporation or a business at some point. Which is nonsense. Which is just not, nonsense. Totally. But that's the prevailing mythology. And and by the way, to your point about David Gregory, that guy is in on the other side. I mean, there are guys yeah. who yeah. who have a natural tendency to side with the moneyed interests and stuff. And, and they're the wolf blitzers of the world who I think arguably would say, um, uh, now let's talk about how the Democrats... You know, when they he knows full well they haven't done anything even remotely close to what he's talking about. Um, David Gregory, I uh, you know had in his famous semi-famous uh, Cheney interview, yeah. brought up a newsletter that the two of them both subscribe to that has about fourteen subscribers, wow. all of whom show up at the Bohemian Grove in you know leather yeah. harness. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the idea that David Gregory is somehow just off the mark, yep. it's I think doesn't allow for the real conversation about who that dude is and what he has to say. And, and we make a, a distinction in our blogs and on our podcasts between douchebags and collaborators. Yes. And, and that's the Wolf Blitzers, the douchebag, and the David Gregory is the real collaborator with his wife yeah. being a Fannie Mae lawyer and him, oh, totally. you know, just yeah. belonging to that. That club of conservatives and right. I want to, we want to close out with a religion question if you don't mind because liberals you, we've talked about liberals being accused of being anti-business they're also often accused of being godless heathens and right. many of us not only have a strong moral compass but some of us go to church too 
I wonder how you guys integrate religion for a mixed religion audience. And again, are you are you making an assumption, any assumptions about your audience in terms of religion when you talk about it? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, John, you know, clearly has a strong point of view when it comes to, you know, uh, the Bible mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as a religious text. And I clearly do not. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was raised in a you know little white Christian church in Kentucky and I went to church camp. I was going to be a Bible scholar. I read the Bible twice all the way through. And my come to my senses moment came through a combination of just hypocrisy I saw in the church, reading the Bible all the way through twice and going, you got to be kidding me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and then um, having a, a, a recognition. I had a uh, my first karate teacher I got my first black belt in Kempo Karate, and my teacher was a guy uh, who was a who is a Christian minister now. He was a cop, but he is you know he was he went to our church, and then he eventually became a minister. But he would not allow us to talk about the Buddhist aspects of Japan and and what surrounded the philosophy of karate um, when I was a kid because he viewed it as demonic. And it was so bananas that it actually made me seek out um, Buddhist philosophy to see what the heck he was possibly talking about. And and my the end result was that that I recognized that there, there's a lot of similarity in how groups without enough cops to police a crowd of human beings came up with relatively similar ways of scaring them straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's really what it's about in a lot of fronts. You know, yeah. that there was, in all honesty, heaven and hell are a carrot and a stick. Yeah. And, um, and when you don't have enough soldiers and police around to keep people from murdering whomever they choose, putting the fear of, well, if we don't catch you, somebody will. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, well, it worked for my parents, yeah. Um, you know, that that your dad sees everything you do, so you're going to get busted. If it worked for them, it, it'll work on a, you know, on a major scale as well. Well, that, and, that's a good that's a good through line, because you're talking about the difference between fear and love and fear and confidence. Right. You know, if, yeah. if you're terrified that your savior can't stand up to scrutiny, you will tell your followers, don't look at anybody else. Don't read anybody else's literature. Don't touch books. any other books. You, the sign of faithlessness is your inability to stand in the face of other faiths. I mean, Absolutely. ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, you, and the extremists in all versions of at least the Abrahamic religions, which are really the only religions on the planet, because the um, you know Buddhism doesn't count as a religion. It's a system of spiritual and mental hygiene. It is not deified, and nor does it believe that you can ever separate from God. I mean that the I you know the word religion comes from the word religio to bind back. Mm-hmm. To it literally comes from the principle that you are separate from God when you are sinning and it is the church's job to lash you to him with rope. And other religions don't have that concept. They there's you can no more be separate from God than a ray can be separated from the sun. And so it is a, it is a singular thought form of of the hierarchical and and corporate religions. I mean, they our corporate structures, our hierarchies are pyramid based, and they're based on the ideas of the Abrahamic traditions. And the extremists of both the religions like that of uh, you know Islamic and Jewish and Christian uh, extremists, 
and free market extremists have this faith-based idea that is just lost in fantasy. And if you question it, they want you dead. Yeah. You know, there are literally guys that if you go, you know, the, the market isn't the be all end all and it's manipulated and that we should have some curbs on it. They want to shoot you. You know, they, they I mean, they 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 will make an effigy of you and 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 spend ammo on it the very same way that, it, you know, that extremists and the other religions want to curtail your ability to talk about anything else because it quite frankly can't stand up to scrutiny. And the reason is. They don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, when pinned down, they don't buy it. It, well, it serves a purpose, but that's it. What do you think about the, the seductiveness on, on both religion and political and economic basis of certainty? That I want a book, and in this book is every rule I will ever need, and if it's not in the book, I don't have to worry about it. The, the fear, basic human fear of what is unknown, what is uncertain, what makes you insecure. There's a great deal of seduction in the idea that I can give you a pamphlet, I can give you this one volume, and you need to know nothing but this for your eternal salvation. You know, I honestly don't think it works. I think a lot of churches are predicated on the idea that that's how it works. But if you look at the the amount of seeking that people do, the amount of alcohol and drug and sex addicts that go to church every week and try to pray away their other, you would, that ultimately that book isn't enough for them. And they're seeking sustenance in and comfort in thousands of different ways outside their religious text there you know they can pretend that that's what it is but mm-hmm. it, you know they could go you know all i need is my lord jesus and yet i will spend all afternoon gossiping about karen in the office <laughs> they're finding comfort elsewhere but they also find comfort in blurring the line between the founding fathers and the apostles and the constitution and the bible and i i find that aspect of it well, fascinating yeah, I mean, a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of conservatives yeah. have, have like this rotating carousel in their head. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's like Jesus, Ronald Reagan, Walmart. Jesus, right. Ronald Reagan. You can just kind of spin it, and it'll land on one. You know, or, and uh, the ironic part is some of them have Jesus, Ayn Rand, Walmart. Yeah. And this, yeah. You know, that's the that's the really screwy one where you run into somebody like Paul Ryan, who. I mean, clearly touts this Ayn Rand philosophy uh, as a way to run the market, considers himself a Catholic and will sell this point, and in his own bifrenic way, seems to think that those thought forms can fit in the same brain, when his hero Ayn Rand said that anybody who believes any religious text is mentally challenged, yep. is yep. is effectively mentally retarded. You know, mm-hmm. her, they're, they're defective in her mind. Then comes the lying part. That's the part that fascinates me, that when Paul Ryan, an excellent is example, with it. is confronted with it, he simply lies about what he said in public on tape. Right. Well, there is a movement in um, in certain Christian circles that you can lie for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's okay because you're dealing with non-believers. Um, uh, you know, there's a there's a school of thought of that in Mormonism. There's a school of thought of that in um, in uh, you know, in in a lot of Republican political structures, you know, like people are too stupid to behave the way they should, and we're going to parent them. This is the funny part about the whole concept of the nanny state. You hear mm-hmm. Republicans talking about the nanny state all the time, and yet who has enacted the most nannyish 
we will parent you for yourselves, bills and regulations, ever. They ran the most draconian FCC telling you what you can and can watch on television and, and how offended you should or shouldn't be. They want religion taught in schools, which is a parental choice, not a, not a sectarian legal choice. They want hyperactive drug laws. They want uh, curtailed speech and, and free speech zones. The Patriot Act, go down the list. Well, at, at, the, at the risk of agreeing with you, um, <laughs> look, if you look right behind the neoconservative facade, you see Leo Strauss, who yeah. preached the, you know, the necessary lie. There should be a, an elite clique who knows that all this is nonsense and, and the masses should be kept in line with necessary lies and enemies invented to keep them on their toes because absent that, a liberal democracy will become depraved and lazy and we need to lie to these people for their own damn good. And that is the definition of authoritarian nanny statism. Oh, totally. And for the record, that's how most churches have been run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean, that's, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the, the essence of all the esoteric Christian teachings. You know, Jesus even said, there are things that I will teach you as apostles that I, I can't teach the regular people because they're too stupid. They're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you got to earn it, which just means hierarchical control. It just it's what it is. And the issue sometimes becomes how aware they are of even who their masters are in this circumstance. I, I don't know necessarily that some of them realize that they that they've been come for, you know, especially the on the Joe the plumber level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those folks think this is the funny part. They think they're part of the hierarchy. Yeah. They yeah. believe yeah. that they are the esoteric leaders of a movement. They think they're the parents in this situation when they're the ones actually being controlled more directly. I mean, if you look at the, the statistics on misinformed uh, voters, who, you know, watching Fox, it, it's mixed with I think the statistic was who's the most misinformed voter and who has the most confidence in the knowledge that they have. They're yeah. the same person. That, yeah. that Dunning-Kruger effect, if, you, uh, if you're familiar yeah. with that. It's that, you know, you're so wrong that you are confident that you're a genius. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it's like we've all been in that situation where we've, you know, we've caught, you know, we've been caught in an argument and then you realize in the middle of the argument that, you, oh, you're wrong. You're the one full of shit. And you're like, oh, yeah. I totally misheard you. I should, if I have any, you know, confidence in my life and ability at all, I'm, I've got to stop this argument and correct myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and say, I apologize, I was wrong, but you get stuck in that, now I've just got to win and be right, not because the information is correct, but because this person I'm arguing with is a dick in my estimation. Mm-hmm. And so you keep fighting. That's And that's a moment for a lot of us before we kind of either give up, move on, or correct ourselves. They're stuck in that. They're frozen in that space mm-hmm. of this constant... I have to be right because they have to be wrong. Because if they're right, then I'm full of shit. You should really perhaps create some sort of performance show based around this concept (laughs) and maybe take it on the road with a bright guy like John Fugel saying, because I think that would be awesome. Good Which idea. You know what? Great idea. Why doesn't he do where, that? <laughs> where would we start a, a, a show of such a nature? We were thinking the Lensic at Santa Fe, New Mexico on Friday, July 6th at 8 p.m. It never worked. Before we go, thank you so much, Hal Sparks. I, I was going to say we could go another 45 minutes. If you and Drift Glass want to talk about gaming and science fiction, we can we can keep the tape running. Cast in and of itself, yeah. <laughs>
We are uh, you. You have another fan in our household. Our thirteen-year-old son has seen you on the top one hundred video games on VH1 and uh, agrees with you completely about which one is it? Drift Glass Castle. Uh, uh, Wolfenstein. That's it. I don't know these games as much as they do, but. Yeah, the yeah. Castle Wolfenstein clips were a big, exciting moment here for us. So. <laughs> um, well, uh, it's that, that brings me a lot of pride. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Some, well, yeah. we thank you for being on our show uh, again. Sure. Hal Sparks and John Fugelsang will be at the Politics, Sex, and Religion Tour, starting at the Lensic in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Friday, July 6th at 8 p.m., and then touring the country. We hope you will come to Illinois, come to Chicago. I Again, we, we I will be, love I will to be tap- see you. Yes, I will be taping my new stand-up special in Chicago in September at the Main Stage Theater. And uh, wow. um, I think it's the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th or something like that. But uh, as we get closer to that, I'll tweet all about it and that kind Wonderful. Of stuff. And you can follow Hal Sparks, all one word, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, for more details on all of that. And again, thank you, Hal Sparks, for being on the show. Of course. Yeah, my pleasure. Good talking to you guys.